welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast that's boycotting Wendy's. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who once got a piece of macaroni stuck up his nose. <laughs> ah, that's, that's funny you bring that up. I just told that story uh, a couple days ago. Ah, that's Ryan Newman. You, I thought you were going to say you got another piece of macaroni stuck up there. Uh, no, that would not be the case. <laughs> Wouldn't do that again, trust me, after that experience. And I'm joined by the other brother, who is happier about Tiger being back than he is about Texas. Heck yeah. Eldrick, the big cat. I love it. Trey Newman. <laughs> All right, so first off, let's check in on our Yahoo College Football Pick'em League. War Eagle is in first place at 56-39. and 39. Nice. Rich L. Tracy is one game back, and 4-3-4-2 is two games back. As far as the bros go, Trey, you are 12 games ahead of me, and I'm one game ahead of Ryan. Really? All right. Last crap. My record this past weekend was 5-19-1. Oh, dismal dismal <laughs> it's hard to be that bad it, it's it's difficult it's difficult to be that bad but you did it what are you gonna do it's a long season <laughs> it's a long season and, I, and i'm still behind you wow yeah so let's uh let's recap week four though uh we'll start with a crazy upset virginia tech went down to old dominion 49 to 35 what happened here ryan man i i don't know but i just think about kind of think back to before the season began and we were all very concerned about this Hokey team because of how young they were especially on defense yeah but after that Florida State game I think we kind of all just forgot about that we kind of gave them too much credit for that game and now after this loss we're all kind of reminded of those concerns we had going into the year um that that secondary that just got killed in this game Old Dominion had two receivers that they just could not contain uh, and now with Josh Jackson out indefinitely with a fractured tibia, which usually means a the whole season. But I, I, mean, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised to see them continue to struggle now. Well, it's then and with young team facing adversity, it's tough. It's hard to explain this game though. It's crazy. Yeah, no, those points are valid, Ryan. Talking about the 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 defense that we were had some question marks going into the season. But regardless of who they're who they have on defense, when you're at Virginia Tech. You give up 495 yards passing <laughs> to Old Dominion's quarterback. I mean, I don't know if they just sleptwalk and they thought their athleticism would take over, but it's pretty inexcusable. I mean, that's a that's a crushing loss. And Old Dominion, they lost by 42 to Liberty just a couple <laughs> yeah, weeks before. This, this came like, out of nowhere. Like it, it, it would have been one thing if Old Dominion was three and zero and doing all right in their conference, but whoa, yeah. And credit to uh, the quarterback you mentioned, Blake. Lar- Blake Larusa, he came in as as the backup in the game and unbelievable game. So he actually got our our man crush Monday. Follow us on Instagram at College Football Bros to check that out. He, he deserved it. He did. Um, I'm actually going to be a Debbie Downer here about this game because obviously we're very happy that uh, you know whenever a big upset happens, it's always exciting. But to me, the biggest thing that stands out is how crazy it was that at the end of the game. Old Dominion could have taken a knee. <laughs> they could have ended the game, taken a couple knees. Their Virginia Tech wouldn't have been able to stop the clock, but they didn't. Old Dominion ran the ball. It went for a touchdown, which actually decreased their chances of winning, obviously, compared to taking a knee. But um, I just figured I'd uh, rain on everyone's parade. So That's up there with the Purdue not going for two. 
No, not even close. <laughs> the Purdue one's worse. Okay. Maybe not. <laughs> but yes. Um, and as far as Josh Jackson being out, they now will go to, it looks like, Ryan Willis, the Kansas refugee. I mean, the Kansas transfer. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he yeah. looks pretty good in this game, though. So who knows? Maybe it won't affect them as much as we think. Yeah, he actually probably outperformed Josh Jackson, at least so far in this game. But Yeah, Kansas quarterbacks seem to leave and do okay. Who was the, uh, the Boise State? Cozart. Cozart. Yeah, Montel Cozart. Yeah, he was yeah. pretty good once he left. So, yeah. <laughs> it's probably the best decision you can make. Yeah, it probably is. All right, next game Texas beat TCU 31 to 16. The big question, as always, is Texas back? I'm I'm still not ready to say Texas is back. I I think oh. I think they're improved and they're better, but I'm just not so high on TCU. I don't think they're an amazing team and not to mention Texas caught TCU at home and it was the week after the Horn Frogs went all out against Ohio State. There was a, there was a key point in this game though where it, it completely turned. Towards the end of the third quarter, TCU fumbled and Texas scored on that next drive. Right after that, TCU threw a pick on their first first play of that possession and Texas returned it to the 2-yard line. So they scored 14 points in less than a minute. So I still want to see Texas improve some more and, and do it on the road before I truly buy them. Yeah, as far as far as uh, TCU is concerned, we kind of excused the turnovers for Sean Robinson against Ohio State because, you know, you're going up against a juggernaut. But after seeing him turn it over three more times here against Texas, I think that's maybe going to be a concern for them going forward. I mean, he he's looked pretty good but maybe not as good as we thought uh, a couple weeks ago but credit to texas one guy's name we got to remember for probably the next three or four years caden stearns a true freshman safety had two interceptions in this one already has three on the season he looks like he's going to be a great one but i'm also not ready to say texas is back trey uh one of our loyal listeners nick rodriguez told us on twitter that he thinks for texas to be back to him at least they're gonna have to win maybe nine or ten games and I, I agree with that. I don't think we can just say after one or two good games here that that they're back. I need to see more. They still can't run the ball. I'm still a little bit worried about the O-line. So not back. Oh, yeah. I, I agree with you guys. Not back yet. I mean, I, I think you need at least 10. They, I need to see them be legit playoff contenders. Um, I mean, that's Texas standard. So to get back to that is when I'll consider them back. And they're not there yet. They might be getting there. They're on the right track, it looks like. Um, good one here, but um, to me, this game it was the difference. We kind of you guys kind of already touched on it, but Sam Ellinger was just head and shoulders better than Sean Robinson. You know, Ellinger avoided those kind of costly turnovers that he's had in the past that have cost them in big games. Um, so I like what I saw from from Ellinger, not so much Sean Robinson. And I'll tell you what, I'm starting to get a lot more excited for the uh, Red River rivalry than I was uh, a couple weeks ago. OU's kind of maybe looking a little on the decline and Texas is coming up. So I'm interested now. <laughs> CC, I'm very intrigued. <laughs> yeah. Also, how about TCU punting in this game? We're talking about bad oh. coaching decisions. Oh my god! They punted fourth and four down by 15 with two minutes and 44 seconds left in the game. I <sighs> Gary Patterson thinks he's in the NFL. Like that's insane. You're just I, giving up. I, 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 unbelievable. That's an NFL coaching move there. Yeah, I mean, if you were down three touchdowns, I'd still complain a little bit. I'm like, hey, why are you giving up? But yeah, but what do you have to lose? Like, so what? So what if Texas gets the ball at your forty or whatever? Like, yeah. who who cares? Exactly. I, I mean, it doesn't. Yeah, that, that was that's just giving up. It is crazier things have happened. Absolutely. Uh, speaking yeah. of crazy things, 
craziest game of the day. Oregon lost to Stanford oh. 38-31 in overtime. This was one of the worst possible losses you can imagine. Yep. There were two points in the game where Oregon could have effectively ended it. The first one was when they seemingly scored a touchdown. They were going to go up 31-7. to Pretty much would be game over. Instead, they ruled the runner for Oregon was out at the one because his foot hit the pylon, and that means you go to wherever the ball is. It was the correct call. Two plays later, Stanford takes a bad snap for a touchdown. It's 24-14. to Crazy yeah. there. So that kept them in there. Wow. But it was still kind of over later in the game. It was the end of regulation. Oregon's up three. They have a second and two with 58 seconds left. Stanford has one timeout. So yada, yada, yada. If Oregon kneeled, they still would have had to punt. There would have been about maybe 10 seconds left. So so I don't think it was dumb for them to run it on that second and two. You get the first down game over. Yeah. But the one thing you can't do oh. is fumble. And CJ oh. CJ Verdell had a great game, but fumbled there. Of course, Stanford goes down the field. Jet Toner, great name, kicked the game-tying field goal, and Stanford won in overtime. So that's what happened. What were you guys' thoughts? Ouch. I would be... I'm pissed, and I'm not even a Duck fan. <laughs> yeah, you know it's crazy. I can't imagine. Hey, that was my lock of the week last week. How do you think I feel? Oh, that <laughs> that hurts. That hurts. That's a tough beat for sure. That's a very tough beat. Um, I, yeah, I can't imagine this being a Duck fan right now. I just choked that game away. They did everything they could to give it away, and, and now it puts them behind the eight ball uh, to try and win the Pac-12 North when they could have taken a stranglehold on it and. Herbert was fantastic. They ran the ball well, held Stanford in check. I, it's You just can't fathom how they lost that game. I genuinely feel bad for Duck fans. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> if we have Duck listeners, I'm oh, yeah. truly I, sympathetic towards you. And and when a Nebraska fan pities anybody, that is, that's saying something. Good point. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> what, I mean, yeah, no, I, I feel so bad. I feel bad for Vidal. I feel bad for the Duck fans, but what a gag job. You know, the the one thing, though, was I was impressed with Costello. When, yeah. when they really needed to, there was a couple drives where they absolutely needed to, to to score and move the ball, and he moved it really well down the field. Granted, you know, I could probably throw it up to Parkinson or Siga Whiteside sometimes. Seriously. But, but those guys, it was still really impressive. He, he's gutsy. He is. Okay, final big game recap we have is Wisconsin beating Iowa 28-17. to Ryan, what'd you see in this one? Yeah, this this game went uh, pretty much exactly like I think most of us expected, a low-scoring, hard-nosed game, and the team that avoided the big mistakes would win, and that was the Badgers here. They were plus three in the turnover battle. You're not going to lose many games when you do that, um, and this, this may have been the best game we've seen out of Hornibrook. You know, he was 17 of 22 for 205 yards and three touchdowns. No picks. That's the big st- statistic for him. Yeah. Um, and he made a couple of clutch passes on that last touchdown drive uh, to take the lead with just under a minute. Uh, although I'm sure next week he'll go back and make a couple of uh, boneheaded passes. He just just let him enjoy this one, Ryan. Let him enjoy it. <laughs> he should enjoy this one. He was clutched when it, when it mattered. And a huge win for the Big Ten West. You know, this is a very important game on that side of the, of the, the conference. Well, I mean, they were both Big Ten West schools, so... Someone was going to win from the Big Ten West. No, but I just mean it's it was a big West showdown. Oh, like, I see. I see. Very okay. important game in the West. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I saw an, an interesting stat about this game um, on Iowa's SB Nation blog. Iowa rushed for 148 yards in the game. They were previously 31-1 and in games where they rushed for more than 100 yards, dating back to 2015. 
and they were 0-11 in games where they didn't get to 100 yards. I mean, I know you're more likely to run the ball when you're winning, but still, pretty crazy stat. Um, so Iowa played okay. You know, they played, seem, you know, they performed well enough to win just but for a few mistakes. Early in the game, not converting on that fourth and one at the five-yard line was a killer. They fumbled. That was a bad, just weird. They sneaked it on a full yard. Yeah, and Stan- Nate weird. Stanley did not look good on that sneak. It just... Uh, just like he, he got yardage, but it's just like they needed a full yard there. That was tough. Yeah, it always looks bad when it doesn't work, though. So I don't know. Yeah, but true. they fumbled a punt return as well. And then another punt, they it was rolling around and it accidentally. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, an Iowa blocker accidentally kicked it. That led to a Wisconsin touchdown. So too many mistakes to beat a uh, solid team like Wisconsin. I, I agree. I think that that accidental ball touching on the punt that was that was the game because wisconsin got a 10 yard field yeah and in a low scoring game like this when you gift wisconsin or really any team points it's it's going to be a disaster and iowa also kind of caught wisconsin in a bad spot with the badgers coming in super focused after their their byu loss so you know to your point ryan after this game you'd pretty much think that wisconsin almost wrapped up the big 10 west obviously it's obviously like a, a cakewalk for them at this point yeah yeah that was a huge one i mean they still have to play nebraska guys they still have to play nebraska so <laughs> you know fair let's let's hold off on mercy that. mercy <laughs> uh before we move on from uh from this topic we had a good tweet from at buddy hawkeye lee that i think we should address he says i was a little disappointed that the college football bros didn't make the iowa wisconsin game a full preview game. Instead, they made it an honorable mention and just skimmed the surface. This game has decided how the West is won the last five years. Important game for the Big Ten. So that's a good point. Good point from him. Um, so I guess I'll just ask you guys, why didn't you guys make this a full game preview? <laughs> I think we probably should have. The guy makes a good point. I mean, yeah. it, he really does. And I, with Kirk Ferentz in Iowa, I got to give them credit. They've. It seems like they've kind of taken another step you know and becoming a little bit more even a notch above where they were they were always solid with Ferentz but I feel like they've taken another step and they're kind of like a not quite at Wisconsin's level but just underneath yeah so well, yeah and and obviously with Wisconsin's lost it it put the the game a notch below but also we should have we should have put it in there mainly because Iowa has a history of these these night games at Kinnick Stadium of of getting big wins or at least playing close close games Obviously, it didn't didn't happen in this one. So, uh, but we we definitely should have. Yeah, and the reason though is so it's hard because we're trying to keep the podcast to about forty five minutes, and so sometimes really good games get stuck into the honorable mentions. We at least want to mention them, uh, say a little bit about them, make a pick. But um, yeah, this game just didn't quite make it, even though it should have. But this is good feedback though, and that's something I think we'd like more of. So if you're listening to this right now. You, you probably are. Uh, email us at collegefootballbros at gmail.com and tell us your favorite part about the show, the segments that you like, maybe what you'd like to hear even more of, and then tell us your least favorite part of the show, maybe something we should scrap or spend less time on. Uh, I think it would just help make the podcast better. What do you guys think? And then finish the compliment sandwich with another compliment. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> compliment, criticism, then compliment perfect you know don't leave us hanging with just a negative that would be that'd just be me all right that was a that was a crucial addition there ryan (laughs) um okay time for the rapid recaps ryan you're first okay 
My first game, we have the Cougs. They played at USC. The Trojans blocked a field goal late in the game to preserve a 39-36 victory. JT Daniels showed everyone why he was such a highly touted prospect coming out of high school. And hey, did you guys know he skipped his senior year of high school? Oh my gosh. Did you know Wait, that? Wait, what? Yeah. But he didn't go to the same school as Amon Ross St. Brown, did he? Yeah, he did. They played together. Holy yeah. moly. Yeah. You mean Amon Ross St. Brown, who has two brothers who are also college football <laughs> players? Colt McCoy and Jordan exactly. Shipley were roommates. Yeah. Wow. No, I'm so tired of hearing that. It's, <laughs> he turns 19 in a few months. Just like every other college freshman, he turns 19 his freshman year. He's the same. He's, he's exactly where he should be. So <laughs> shut right, up, Ryan. Let's get back God. to the game. Let's get back to the Ryan's game. Ryan's my gears, man. <laughs> Ryan's angry. <laughs> All right. Next game. Mississippi State at Kentucky. Uh, and the Wildcats dominated that Joe Moorhead offense, uh, if that's possible. Apparently it is. Uh, they won 28-7. to Nick Fitzgerald was completely ineffective while Kentucky uh, rode Benny Snell to victory. He was huge. He had 165 yards and four touchdowns. So Heisman candidacy maybe for Benny Snell. No? Kentucky's undefeated. I know. 4-0. They're ranked. What are they, 18th or something? I think it was 17. 17? Okay. Is Calipari coaching them? <laughs> yeah, right? He's <laughs> helping out. Uh, my third game is uh, Boston College and Purdue, and this one didn't go as expected. Purdue dominated, winning 30-13, to uh, and it was the Boilermaker defense that stole the show. They forced four Anthony Brown interceptions and held A.J. Dillon to just 59 rushing yards, so... Don't give up on the Boilermakers yet. Is there anybody that's going to threaten Clemson in the S- in the ACC? Oh, my god! Maybe Miami, oh. but man, everybody I, just looks pretty bad there. Yeah, it's gotten worse. Hey, maybe Syracuse. Maybe Syracuse. <laughs> maybe Syracuse. Uh, in my last game, we have uh, South Carolina at Vanderbilt. The Gamecocks took control of this one uh, in the second half, outscoring Vandy 17 to nothing. Uh, so a good bounce-back game for the Gamecocks after losing to, to Georgia. And then having last week's game canceled, so a good win for them. Okay, my first game, Alabama beat Texas A&M 45-23. Tua is the best player in college football. Alabama's the best team. So nothing to panic about here if you're an A&M fan. They played, I think, just fine. But as long as we're complaining about coaching decisions, Jimbo Fisher, 4th and 4 at the Alabama (laughs) 8, down by 25 points late in the third quarter, kicks the field goal. That's that's just giving up. Too. It's giving up. It is. You're not going to win, but it's giving up, it, which is fine. Maybe it's OK to give up there, yeah. but it's just trying to cover. Yeah, he did cover, which I was happy about. I, uh, one yeah. of my I think that might have been one of my five, five wins, five and 19. <laughs> uh, Texas Tech won 41 to 17 at Oklahoma State. Huge win for Cliff Kingsbury. He's staying alive. He's thriving actually now. Uh, big win for freshman quarterback Alan Bowman. The big story here, though, Texas Tech defense is playing great, or I shouldn't say is playing great. They played great in this one. Uh, big news out of Okie State on Monday, though. Jalen McCleskey is redshirting and transferring because he wasn't getting the ball enough. So big loss for them. That's a bold move, Cotton. It's very bold. That's, it's, it, that's a classic wide receiver move, really. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely is. UCF won 56-36 to against FAU on Friday night. Mackenzie Milton had six touchdowns. UCF remains undefeated, and FAU continues to disappoint. Yeah, they lost their quarterback. The wonder kid, Charlie Weiss Jr. Maybe that's not working out so well. You know, tough games, tough games. Yeah. Final games weren't very entertaining, but both have big news. Miami got an easy win against FIU, and they benched Malik Rozier, so you have to think Nikosi Perry is now the guy after a great game. 
The other game was Notre Dame dominating Wake Forest, and you similarly have to think that Ian Book is now the starter after he accounted for five touchdowns and no turnovers. Yep. All right. My first game is Army at Oklahoma. In a shocker, Oklahoma only won this one 28 to 21 in overtime. Half the people that were watching this were doing so on an online stream from some dude's cell phone since this was a, a pay-per-view game. But uh, I found a Periscope that I was able to watch it. I didn't even know they still had pay-per-view games. Oh, unbelievable. Big 12, man. So Ouch. Army, though, they somehow held Oklahoma down for the first time this season that the Sooners have been. And they held Kyler Murray and the offense in check for the most part, came up with some clutch stops. And Army lost this in the very end since they were forced into some passing situations. My next game is Georgia at Missouri. Georgia won this one 43-29, and they did what they had to do on the road in conference. It wasn't pretty, as Missouri was able to run the ball pretty effectively on Georgia. And they weren't exactly crisp in all three phases, but they've proven that even their B game gets by just fine. Next game, Florida at Tennessee. Looks like it's going to be a tough road ahead for the Vols and Pruitt as they lost their 10th straight game to a Power 5 team. Florida won this one 47-21, and they dominated from start to finish. Tennessee had six. Yes, I said six turnovers. And was that last Power 5 win for them uh, against Nebraska in that bowl game? No, it was actually Georgia Tech last season oh, that's right. in the yeah. overtime in the opening game. All right. Forgot about that. But... The one final note on this was there was a bad look for Tennessee, and it happened when when Pruitt sent Corte Sapp to the locker room after he refused to go in the game. That's one of their linebackers. Just it was an ugly game all the way around. And he kicked a whiteboard. <laughs> oh, the humanity! <laughs> Arizona State at Washington. Arizona State handled themselves well in this tough environment, and they almost pulled out a big win. While they didn't really play all that well offensively, the Huskies ended up winning 27-20 because of their defense, and the offense didn't make any mistakes. Browning was efficient through three touchdowns. They're going to need Browning to play like this as they march through Pac-12 play. Okay, let's move on from week four and get to our segments. Our first segment is just a bit of news here, news and notes, but we only have one. It's Trevor Lawrence being named the starting quarterback at Clemson after a four-touchdown performance against Georgia Tech. You guys think this is uh, this is the right move? Yeah, I do. I think it's the right move. And I was actually supportive of Kelly Bryant before the year, but after seeing these guys play, I think Lawrence is the guy. They've each had about 20 or so drives so far. I think uh, Lawrence had 23 and maybe Bryant's at 21. And they're averaging nearly twice as many points on Lawrence's drives than they are of Kelly Bryant's. So... I think now is the time to hand the reins over, and so that way by the end of the year, come playoff time in those big games, Lawrence has had a ton of reps, ton of practice, and you know he's kind of no longer a true freshman. He's gotten those meaningful, meaningful snaps. Yep, completely agree. Um, as we record this podcast, Massey Peabody has Alabama as the number one offense, 18 points better than an average offense. Georgia and Ohio State are 17 points better. Clemson is back at 9.72 points better. So Trevor Lawrence gives you the chance to be up. There's no reason Clemson shouldn't be right up there with those teams offensively. So I think it's a, a good move. Um, way more upside with Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. And this kind of touches on my point that I made last week. I think Clemson has handled this quarterback situation as well as you could. Now, especially they've given Lawrence four games of of kind of training wheels and now it's now it's his to run with. So I thought it was handled perfectly, and I, I agree with the move. But Kelly Bryant's still there and available, which is nice to have. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's one of the best backups in college football now. So, yep. Him and Jalen. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> our next segment uh, and Ryan Willis. Well, no, he's not a backup anymore. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Our next segment, we're going to be giving some college football stock tips. I've got Jim Cramer soundboard ready. We've got the first quarter earning reports for all these teams. So let's play a little mad college football. I like it. And we'll start with the stocks that we think are the most undervalued. Ryan, what do you think? Okay, yeah. I uh, I would buy the Virginia Cavaliers. Thank you, Bull. <laughs> uh, Bronco Mendehall has slowly been building that program. His first year, they were 2-10. and 10. Last year, they went 6-7. and seven. And now they're sitting at 3-1 and one after dominating Louisville this week, 27-3. to three. Their quarterback, Bryce Perkins, who originally started out at Arizona State, he's looking better and better. And with his running ability, it's making that offense pretty dangerous, pretty respectable. And another reason why I'm buying them is because of their division. They're in the Coastal with Virginia Tech, who, you know, we know their issues right now. Duke, without their quarterback and best defender. You got Pitt, North Carolina, and Georgia Tech. None of those teams are that great. So it's really just Miami that's the only team that's clearly better than them at this point. And I think they even have a chance against them. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely buying the Cavaliers stock right now. It's free money, baby. <laughs> all right. Good work, Ryan. So I am all over the Michigan Wolverines. Bye, bye, bye. Shea Patterson quietly having a very efficient season so far. The offense, I mean, it's not great, but it's not bad. And I think they need to rename that big house to the House of Pain. <laughs> because that defense is incredible. It's insanely good. Very physical. It's going to keep them in every game. A lot of people wrote them off after the Notre Dame game. And that's actually when I bought low, thinking like a true trader, and I placed a 70 to 1 bet on them to win the playoff. They're now 30 to 1. Great bet by me. Only if they win. Oh my God. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to lose it, but I'm losing it at a great price, Ryan. You need to learn about the stock market, okay? (laughs) (laughs) The equity I have in that position is fantastic right now. (laughs) I'm buying West Virginia now. All aboard! Yeah, that's right. Get aboard this Mountaineer bandwagon here. I wasn't high on them this season, but they've impressed impressed me so far. I knew their offense would be good, but the defense has been stout, You know, albeit not against the toughest competition. But now looking at their schedule, they look like they can make some serious noise in the Big 12. Bye, bye, bye! All right, great picks, guys. Great picks. I hope everyone follows us there. Now let's talk about the teams that you'd be selling for the rest of the year. So, Trey, we'll go back to you. Who uh, who are you shorting in 2018? Well, I was going to sell Miami, but I, I think, we, as we discussed, the ACC outside of Clemson is just so bad. So, they could still win it. I'm actually going to sell Oregon. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's how all their fans felt this past weekend after <laughs> yeah. the game. I, they wanted to jump out of windows. It was crazy in, in Autzen that night. But uh, they're currently ranked 19th. But most of the power ratings out there have them outside the top 25. And prior to the Stanford game, they looked real shaky in in those non-conference games. And then obviously this collapse against the Cardinal. Now they have to play three straight games against the tough North teams. And almost all of their tough games remaining on the schedule are away from Autzen. I love Herbert, but I'm selling them as a team at this point. 
Well, what is what does that shock mean? Is that <laughs> <laughs> well? They're they were they're shocked from my dismay in them. They're shocked from this weekend's game. <laughs> okay, all right, sure. Uh, we're not as good as Jim Cramer. We're trying, people. <laughs> the team I chose was LSU. I'm bearish on them. They're number five in the AP rankings, and obviously, I get why based on the resume. They've had a great start to the year, but to me, there's no way. They're one of the five best teams in the country. That's, I mean, at least in my opinion, the offense isn't consistent enough. Burrow is still under 50% completions. And the big problem really is, is probably no fault of their own. It's the schedule. They drew Georgia and Florida from the East. And then, of course, a few brutal games left in the SEC West. So I say that the train comes off the tracks. And they go four and four in their final eight games. Ooh, ouch. Wow, the train is still crashing. That was unbelievable. It was a bad one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I would sell Cal at this point. Sell, sell, sell. They're ranked 24th right now with two close wins against North Carolina and BYU, and then a less than stellar performance against Idaho State, who's routinely one of the worst teams out there. Um, they're starting a freshman quarterback in Chase Garbers, so I think he's going to have some some tough moments against better teams. And they just lost one of their better linebackers for the year in Cameron Good. And since they're in the North, they have to play Oregon, they have to play Washington, Stanford, but they also have to play at USC, at Wazoo, and at Arizona. So I think they'll lose to Oregon starting this week, and then you won't see them near the top 25 again for the rest of the year. So I got to sell the Bears. Hard. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed that. We tried our best. Studio audience, what did you think? No, it's too bad. No. <laughs> that's that's a downer. That was uncalled for. Yeah, we did our best. <laughs> it was, it really was. All right, time for the week five preview. Our first game is number 12, West Virginia, a three and a half point favorite at number 25, Texas Tech. Trey, what do you see here? So this is all of a sudden a big game in the Big 12. Texas Tech and defensive coordinator Gibbs, they were really able to hold down the potent Oklahoma State offense in Stillwater. Cliff clearly found his quarterback in Bowman, who continues to put up gaudy numbers. Now they have some expectations, though, but I don't think they're going to parlay the, that same success that they had in, in Stillwater and, and get it into this game against Will Greer and Holgerson. All of the weapons that the Mountaineers have on the outside, I think, is going to be too much for the Red Raiders in this one. Yeah, I kind of agree with you there, Trey. Uh, the Mountaineers, uh, they have looked a lot better uh, defensively so far than than we all expected. You mentioned that earlier, but I'm still reserving judgment on that. I want to see them uh, in a game like this against a team that has plenty of offensive firepower. Um, I'm not sure what the over-under is on this game. I haven't looked, but I'd be willing to bet it's maybe the highest total of the week. Uh, so it should be a very entertaining game. Um, and for Texas Tech, you know, they, they need to prove to us that last week wasn't a fluke because at this point, I think, we're kind of all assuming it was. Um, I don't know. Aren't you? Are you guys agree with me on that? Absolutely. Yes. No. I. I think it was. Okay. <laughs> all right. I'm, yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna mention that I got into a little bit of an argument with Bruce Feldman online. Oh, cushy socks. No, not really. It was friendly. It was friendly. But I'm not. You know, I'm not. I'm not. I don't think it was a complete fluke. Just because I don't know how good Oklahoma State really is. Yeah, they beat Boise up pretty good, but that's true. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how this game goes. Um. But if the Red Raiders are able to pull this off, I think Kingsbury's seat will actually be pretty cold for the first time uh, in a long time. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, Mm -hmm. So about my little spat with Bruce Feldman, I'm I'm playing it up. It was just like two tweets, very friendly. But he's high on Texas Tech's defense. And I feel like I talk about this every few episodes, but I think the job done by David Gibbs has been getting a little bit overrated. Um, Last year, the perception was their defense was massively improved because they were sixth in the country in turnovers. But the year before, under Gibbs, they were 112th. So that that's just the way turnovers go. There's a lot of randomness to it. So the Oklahoma State performance is encouraging. I know they got just Sean Johnson back from injury at safety, and that's a big addition for them. But I still think the defense is is bad. I haven't forgotten Houston completely torching them, Ole Miss doing the same in two of the first three games. So I'll go out on a limb and say this one's going to be a shootout. <laughs> yeah. But and obviously Texas Tech's offense is is great. So. I think they'll stay in this, but I'm just going to say West Virginia wins by seven late. But let's move on to really the two marquee games of of the night, both on at the exact same time, which is terrible. This is why we need a czar of college football to prevent things like this. Yes, yes. Can't happen. But the first one is number four, Ohio State, a three and a half point favorite at number nine, Penn State. It's a whiteout. Ryan, what do you think here? Yeah, this game uh, has been extremely entertaining lately, especially the last time that this game was played at Beaver Stadium. This uh, That one was a really awesome game to watch. I think the winner, though, of this game is going to be an Indy. And right now, I am leaning towards the Buckeyes in this one. Illinois was able to keep pace with Penn State for three quarters. I know they blew the doors off in the fourth, but still, for three quarters, Illinois kept it kept in it. And uh, I think they've been kind of getting off to slow starts. So I think Dwayne Haskins is going to have a big first half and put the Buckeyes in the lead, and they're going to hang on late to win by about 10 or so. So I'm taking the Buckeyes. Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with with everything you said there. Uh, one thing to worry about for Ohio State is, of course, the defense has not looked as great as we thought. Of course, Bosa still still missing for this yep. game. But it's still a good group, and Draymond Jones, Chase Young, the D-line is is just fine. And I actually think Penn State's defense is probably a little bit, even, even a little bit more worrisome. Um, they gave up 245 yards last week on the ground to Illinois, and that was over five yards a carry. So don't have a ton of confidence in that front seven right now. And do you, this is maybe, I don't want to say it's Ohio State's best offense. They've had some great offenses, but it's got to be one of the best that Urban Myers had there. I, I agree. I think they're so much better with Haskins. They're not as one-dimensional as they were with JT Barrett. This this game in particular is the one I'm looking most forward to this weekend, especially to see that atmosphere. And Ryan, you touched on it a couple the game a couple years ago at State College. This is the game that ended up propelling Penn State into success, the success that they've had recently. Yep. The winner of this one might be the only possible playoff team in the Big Ten, as the other contenders already have losses. Uh, lots to play out there, but yeah, it could be I, Michigan, but yeah, yeah. Watch out for my Michigan ticket. No, that I, positive equity I have, Trey. Did you forget <laughs> about that already? Me. No, 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 no. I'm I'm high on <laughs> Michigan too. I no doubt. But I really like this Ohio State team with Haskins. They like you touched on Ryan. Penn State's been a little shaky early in games. I think they might get a little bit exposed in this one. Ohio State's actually going to be my lock of the week. Okay, moving to our final big game preview. Number seven, Stanford at number eight, Notre Dame. The Irish are a four and a half point favorite. This game's really hard for me to pick. Um, I think both teams are good, not great. I think they're probably both a little bit overrated. Um, I mean, they deserve to be there based on the resume, but 
I'm not sure that either team will finish in the top 10. Uh, Notre Dame offense obviously looked great with Ian Book in there against Wake Forest, but Wake's defense is not very good this year. They just fired their defensive coordinator. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to take the points with Stanford. I feel like they're both evenly matched, but the difference in those games for Stanford has seemed to be those huge receivers, no matter how much their offense struggles to be consistent costello can just huck it up to yeah those big tight ends caden smith colby parkinson you know of course jj arcega whiteside the receiver they just box out the smaller dbs so they did it against sdsu they did it against oregon so why not here yeah i'm with you michael this is a tough one for me to to gauge i'm wondering if stanford used all of its bullets and energy last week against the ducks you know if oregon doesn't fumble at the goal line and they go up 31 7 this game wouldn't be as big of one, and, and we wouldn't be talking about it as much. And Love still hasn't been able to break break out this season, which is slightly holding their offense back. And I came away impressed with how the Irish easily handed Wake away from South Bend, both offensively and defensively. And I think that was the, the change at quarterback was the jolt they needed. And I think they're going to build off of it, and they're going to beat the Cardinal uh, handily here. Yeah, um, I'm not surprised that Brian Kelly handed the QB job to Ian Book, but I'm I'm a little surprised he didn't do it sooner. Um, I think he's clearly the better QB there, and, and that's why I'm going to take Notre Dame. I think that offense uh, with Book in there, they're going to be able to move the ball pretty consistently against Stanford. But on the flip side, I don't think Stanford's going to be able to do the same. Uh, this is going to be the best defense the Cardinal have played, and I really think Notre Dame has the pieces, especially in the front seven, to hold Bryce Love in check. Other teams have been able to do it, and I don't see any reason why Notre Dame can't. Um, so I don't think they're going to have to expose their secondary and put them on islands against those big, tall receivers. So I think they're going to be able to contest those balls a little bit better. So I'm going with the uh, Fighting Irish here as well. Okay, getting to our honorable mentions. Trey, you're up first. All right, my first game is number 20, BYU, at number 11, Washington. The Huskies are currently a 17.5-point favorite. So BYU has a chance to prove that their win against Wisconsin wasn't a fluke here. Their offense, though, it's ranked in the bottom third of most offensive categories, and that's not a good recipe when going on the road to face a solid defense in Washington. I like Browning and Washington to knock the Cougars back to reality in, in a big win. My next game is number 14, Michigan at Northwestern. The Wolverines are currently favored by 14. The big news for Northwestern is they lose their, their top tailback, Jeremy Larkin, as he had to retire from football. Now they have to face a hungry Michigan team where Shea Patterson seems to get more and more comfortable with this Harbaugh offense as the season goes along. I like the Wolverines here to expose the Wildcats in Evanston. Next, Ole Miss goes on the road to LSU, number 5 LSU, where LSU is currently favored by 11.5. I'm excited to see what LSU's offense can do against this porous Ole Miss defense. Even though Ole Miss has a solid offense, they have to play against the top LSU defense in Baton Rouge at night. But that being said, I don't really trust the LSU offense enough just yet to give these points, so I'm going to say Mississippi loses by 10. Finally, Syracuse goes on the road to number three, Clemson. Clemson's currently favored 22.5 points. We get to see what Clemson looks like with the keys fully handed over to Trevor Lawrence. Clemson also has revenge on their mind after their loss last season in the Carrier Dome. 
I know Syracuse is a pretender at 4-0, but I think they do just enough to cover this spread against the Tigers. Okay, my first game, Florida at number 23, Mississippi State. The Bulldogs are favored 7.5. This game could also be known as the Kentucky Losers Bracket, Uh, but I'm excited for this one. The big story here, of course, Dan Mullen returning to Starkville. We'll see if the Kentucky game last week was an aberration or if Mississippi State just isn't as good as we thought. I say they are a very good team and will give the seven and a half. Next game, USC minus three at Arizona. I know USC has not looked great this year, but Arizona to me has looked much worse. I'm going to go out on a limb and say USC wins by two touchdowns and make it my lock. Wow, I'm surprised you would do that. Number 19, Oregon, is a three-point favorite at number 24, Cal. A friend of mine, is uh, his name's Chris. He's a huge Cal fan, and he texted me his analysis. He says, Cal has good corners. I'm not worried about Oregon throwing all over us, but I am worried that we won't contain the run game. We'll get worn out, especially trying to cover the quarterback who's a beast. The hope is a bye week for us gives us a week to plan, plus a home field night game, them coming off an emotional loss, and that's enough to swing it in our favor. So that's good enough for me. Thanks, Chris. I will take Cal. That that was a nice breakdown. Number 18, Texas is an eight and a half point favorite at Kansas. If Texas is really back, this is the type of game they win comfortably. K-State has looked bad really in every game this year. And if West Virginia can shut down K-State, so can Texas. I'll take the Longhorns to win easy. All right. uh, My first game is South Carolina at number 17, Kentucky. And Kentucky's a one point favorite as of now. Both teams are coming off quality wins. I think South Carolina is going to sell out to stop Benny Snell uh, on the ground, and so it's going to be up to Terry Wilson at quarterback to come up with some big plays through the air. And I say he does get the job done, so give me Kentucky uh, in a close one over the Gamecocks. My second game is Utah at Wazoo, and the Utes are currently a one-point favorite. I'm interested to see see the battle between the high-powered Leach offense against that stout Ute defense. Uh, I liked what I saw from Gardner uh, Gardner Minshew uh, at USC, uh, but did not like what I saw to Tyler Huntley last time out. He really struggled. Uh, So give me the Cougs uh, in Pullman. My third game uh, is Baylor uh, at number six, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma's a 24-point favorite right now. Baylor's definitely an improved team this year. They dominated Kansas last week, which is not as pathetic as it used to be. You know, it's more respectable to say that now. <laughs> yeah. After a couple good wins for Kansas. Um, well, Oklahoma, they needed overtime to beat Army. Uh, so I think Charlie Brewer and the Bears will find just enough success on offense to cover that big 24-point spread. So give me the Bears. And finally, my last game is Virginia Tech at number 22, Duke. And the Dukies are a five-point favorite. How do the Hokies respond to adversity? Uh, Duke responded well to adversity when they lost Daniel Jones and Mark Gilbert. They went on the road and dominated Baylor. I don't think this young Hokie team will respond the way Duke did. So I'm going to take the Blue Devils, and this one is actually my lock of the week. You know, uh, Ryan, you you covered both Kentucky and Duke in your segment, and there's a fun fact I, I saw today about them both being ranked at the same time. Oh wow! In college yeah. basketball, you know they've—they're the blue bloods, obviously, and they've been ranked in the same poll since the fifties, like fi- over five hundred times in, together. In football, this is the first time since the fifties that they've both been ranked. Wow, wow. that's pretty crazy. That is crazy. Wow, and not just a Steve Spurrier pity vote either. Yeah, that's <laughs> for real. All right, let's close out the episode as always with a questionable finish. 
Wake Forest kicker Nick Skiba didn't show up for a field goal attempt this weekend, and the rest of the team lined up without him. He eventually came on late and missed the attempt. What important event in your life were you a no-show for? All right, well, this one is uh, super important here. This was back when I was in high school and I was playing on the JV basketball team. And we made it to the championship uh, of a tournament. And earlier that day, I just came down with a horrible migraine. I just couldn't do it. I was throwing up. I wanted to play, but I just couldn't do it. So I, I was a no-show for that championship game, unfortunately. Oh, did you win? Did they win? They did, but barely. They, you know, they were really, they really missed their starting point guard. Oh, Ewing theory. Maybe they're better without you. Oh, they didn't need you. <laughs> Uh, So I did not show up for either of my brother's college graduations. Don't remember why. Don't remember even getting invited, but... Oh, no, no, no. I remember. I'm still hurt by it. Oh, sorry about that. Let's let's talk off pod. I don't think I went to Trey's either. (laughs) (laughs) We don't support each other. (laughs) We're good brothers. Yeah. (laughs) I I no-showed a decent Fred's wedding to go back to Nebraska for a game. So my priorities lie with with college football clearly that's respectable yeah yeah i can't blame you there yet again a georgia player dropped the ball as he reached the end zone on saturday they were fortunate the replay was inconclusive so it remained a touchdown but what is something you are constantly messing up my memory has just left me i'm constantly forgetting things (laughs) that happened or things that i said if i honestly if i don't write it down i'm gonna forget it so i need to write reminders in my phone or email at work or for personal life it's it's getting bad it's a good excuse though that you can use right that's true oh i forgot about your wedding that's why i went to the nebraska game yeah me me and urban have something in common oh (laughs) urban uh i am constantly calling raiders quarterback david carr (laughs) no i I seriously did not do that on purpose (laughs) there you go Uh constantly calling Derek carr david (laughs) carr like i just did there (laughs) There you go. Um, For me, I always pick the wrong guy to start at my flex spot in fantasy football. It never fails. (laughs) This week, I started Nelson Aguilar over Calvin Ridley. And of course, Ridley went for a buck 50 and three touchdowns and went off. It's just every time. I swear to God, every single time I pick the wrong guy. (laughs) Brutal. All right. Finally, it's time for upset specials. You got to pick a seven plus point underdog to win outright. I'm going with Virginia as a seven point dog to beat NC State. NC State's quietly three and zero, but they haven't played any Power Five opponents. Struggled against James Madison Week One, and Bryce Perkins, Ryan, you brought him up earlier. He's looking great this year. I think he can kind of single handedly uh, take on NC State. I'll I'll say they get the upset. One on eleven, he can do it. One on eleven, yeah. I don't think you know. They're, the rest of the team's gonna pull a Nick Skiba. <laughs> it won't matter. All right. Well, I'm fresh off my my upset special victory last week with Texas Tech, but two touchdown underdog at Okie State. Bravo! Congrats. That was a good one. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll I'll continue to pat myself on the back. Mine this week is K State. They're getting eight and a half against Texas. Kansas State couldn't do anything against the Mountaineers last week. But now they come home to the Little Apple, and I think Snyder's going to rally the troops. I'm I'm not fully bought into Texas yet, and them coming off of two big home wins, this is a good spot for K-State to, to pluck them. So go Wildcats. All right. I like it, Trey. I like it. I'm going for the biggest upset special we've ever had on this show. 
Wow. And Michael, I think you you own that now. I think, what, 18 or 19 was it last year you had Troy over LSU? Oh, yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one. Yeah, I think that's I think that's our record. So I'm taking Syracuse. They're 23-point dogs wow. at Clemson. Whoa. Syracuse beat them last year. Clemson always seems to have one head-scratching loss per year. So with a good quarterback who can run a little bit like Eric Dungy, I think it's possible. I, I'm, I'm giving the Orange a chance in this one. All right, gutsy pick. I like it, Ryan. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you haven't already, give us a five-star rating in your podcast app. Recommend the podcast to a friend. Before we, before we leave, I got to say one thing, one stat that didn't come up in this episode. Kenneth Murray of Oklahoma. Did you guys see it? Uh, no. He had 28 tackles against Army. Oh, that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that. right. Okay. Ridiculous. That is a lot of tackles. And actually, one more shout-out. I have one more shout-out. Buffalo, quietly, is 4-0. Yeah. And their quarterback Tyree Jackson is getting NFL draft buzz. So watch out. Watch out for Buffalo. He's had at least three touchdown passes in every game. And one of them, I think he had six. Yeah, he's he's having a monster year. So yeah, no one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bulls. Oh, oh, oh. thank you. Wow. Wrong team. Well, <laughs> let's end the podcast on that. Well done, Trey. <laughs> we will talk to everybody next week. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, Email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros, follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros, and for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.